0: I'm genuinely sorry, but I missed your party, you should try holding all the guilt I still carry.
1: Good morning and welcome to episode 554 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball prospectus presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, and I am simultaneously doing a thing for this show while reading or reciting, I guess, that intro. So uh-huh. forgive me for a couple of odd pauses. Ben, how are you?
0: <laughs> no one could have, could have told. Uh, I am well, thank you.
1: All right. So what I am doing right now, in case you were wondering, is I am changing the Cardinals' Game 1 lineup from Yadier Molina to Tony Cruz. Uh-huh. To see to see what that does to their chances of winning that game.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um. And so let's see. As it was, St. Louis, San Francisco, Game One. The Cardinals were fifty-eight percent likely.
0: Game, game two.
1: No, Game One. Game One. Oh, okay. Uh. uh and I'll you I'm know, just because it's, I'm I'm thinking about going forward. I'm thinking. Okay. About and uh, this is only stage one uh, of this. Uh. So. Uh. Cardinals were 58% likely to win, according to Pocota. Uh Any guess what that'll be
0: now? With Cruz instead of Molina? Well, because it's not taking into account Molina's full defensive value, I will say
1: 56.5. That's mm. uh, actually 55.2. Okay. So uh, from 58.0... 55.2, so about a three percent knock on that. And um, so I'm actually going to do it again with no uh, Molina, with Cruz instead of Molina. But I'm also going to replace Adam Wainwright. Um, who should I replace Wainwright with? Who's the equivalent? Who's I guess who will they go with? If if Wainwright can't start again, who will they go with? Marco Gonzalez?
0: Maybe. Is Waka an option? <laughs> I don't
1: know. Is Justin Masterson, I guess? It probably would be Justin Masterson, right? <laughs> if, if Wainwright couldn't... So here's the thing. We don't know if... Wayne, I mean, that presumably Wainwright will pitch. Um, but the premise is that Wainwright either might not pitch or Wainwright... I don't know, man. I have to say. I just... I find it... I, I, I'm i always loath to say things are going to or not going to happen. But I would just be really surprised if Wainwright... Starts and makes it through four innings. I just don't think that he's. Uh, I don't think he's healthy. I think that he's like he's like three weeks overdue for Tommy John probably, and we just don't know it. I mean, they were gonna maybe skip him in a game five of a division series. So mm-hmm. how are we supposed to believe that this is not? And we'll talk more about Wainwright, but uh, for the purposes of of this part of the show, I just have to uh, you know I just have to sound exasperated uh, to get the point across. Uh, so let's say Justin Masterson is either the replacement or that a hurt Wainwright is, in fact, Justin Masterson quality. Uh-huh. Okay? okay. So, uh, all right. So I'm going to run that and it's going to take about 40 seconds. Uh, so we'll kill some time. But uh, let me ask you, Ben. Okay. Uh, first off, Wainwright, healthy, not healthy, s- somewhere on that spectrum or somewhere way off the spectrum on the
0: uh, Tommy John side. I will guess he is, he is progressing closer to the Tommy John end of the spectrum. Um, I It's hard to tell just from looking at his stats exactly. I know you wrote something for the, the Jabo broadcast about whether he, whether he's actually throwing a new pitch or whether his old pitch just looks like a new pitch because he's not throwing it as well or he's throwing it differently. He is throwing about as hard as he was before, but clearly there seems to be something going on. And the comments that he has made and Matheny has made have been contradictory or very... Confusing, misleading. One day there's there's nothing wrong with him. One day there's something wrong with him. It sounds very much like the sort of thing where they're just trying to get through the postseason somehow, and we will find out the full story or something approaching to the something approaching the full story. Either once the Cardinals are eliminated, or or once they win it all. And and Jeff Zimmerman wrote something about how Wainwright is now approaching the point. Where most pitchers have their second Tommy John surgery, like uh, a certain number of innings usually elapses between number one and number two. And he has thrown a ton of innings over the last couple of years because he has thrown a lot in the regular season and because the Cardinals have been on these deep postseason runs and he's pitched a lot during those. So he's really racked up the innings and it seems like something is not right.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that Wainwright slider thing because mm-hmm. I, I found that whole thing to be very interesting and very mysterious and perhaps very significant. So uh, you s- sort of summarized it, but basically what happened is that um, according to Brooks Baseball, according to the, the pitch identification tags on Brooks Baseball, which are generated by Harry Pavlidis, um, who explained on this show once how he does it uh, or part of how he does it um, – it said that he had thrown 13 sliders in his Division Series start against the Dodgers. And all year, Wainwright had thrown, according to Brooks Baseball, 12 sliders combined. And in fact, if you go back to 2008, uh, he had thrown 12 sliders combined. Those are the only 12 he had ever thrown uh, that FX that uh, Brooks Baseball had tagged as sliders. Um, and so then here comes 13 in a start. And that seems like either super interesting and weird, or super incredible and weird. And so um, I talked to Harry about it, and I talked to Dan about it, and I looked at it uh, to, to see if I could figure it out. And um, Harry, as Harry explained it, the pitches, uh, he is very, very hesitant to assign a new pitch to a pitcher, especially one like Wainwright, who's generally not, you know, tinkering a lot, and probably especially at a period like this. Um where it's, uh, you know, he's late in the season and all that. But Wainwright has thrown a slider in the past. Um, it's uh, He's said so. Um, and Harry said that he, he had heard or he, had, he was aware or he knew that Wainwright also had a slider somewhere in that arsenal of his, just that he didn't really throw it. And um, he said that it looked like a different pitch. It had looked like it had a different depth. Um, and uh, he, he went with slider. He, he went with slider on those 13. That was his decision. Um, and uh, the slider, it, uh, there was sort of a, a slightly different release point cluster, a little lower than his cutter. Oh, by the way, I should point out that it, you would wonder, well, it, I mean, why is this hard to decide? The slider was the, basically the exact velocity that his cutter usually is, and a slider mm-hmm. and a cutter are on the same spectrum, um, and so if he's throwing Uh, pitch that is like a cutter at the same velocity as a cutter and you know that he throws a cutter you would call it a cutter unless you had a very convincing reason not to Um, and so the evidence that it was a a different pitch was that um, well the evidence that that I came up with is a uh, while it was the same velocity as his cutter usually is he was also throwing his cutter harder than usual and throwing his curveball harder than usual and if you kind of adjust his normal slider, or what we think of as his normal slider velocity, uh, by the same amount that his curveball and his cutter were fast, you get basically what the slider was. So the velocity chart kind of suggests that that might be what he, that he was overthrowing his breaking balls that day. Two is that it had different movement uh, than his cutter usually does. It was it had more drop. It had about like four inches more drop than his cutter does usually. Um, and uh, three is that he threw it from a slightly different location, release point, a little lower, so he was, you know, either, well, yeah, so he was basically throwing throwing from a little bit lower release point and getting a different kind of movement, and four is that he seemed to be throwing it, this is speculative, but he seemed to be throwing it with intent based on who he was throwing it to. He threw um, it to mostly right-handers, and if this was just the matter of some of his cutters acting weird against his will, and there was no intent at all, you would think it would be randomly distributed between right-handed and left-handed batters. The fact that it really wasn't and was heavily tilted made you think there might be some intent. And so I don't know whether it was a cutter or a slider. um, He was clearly throwing a pitch that had slider action, and the question of intent seemed to me to be everything, because if he's intending to throw a slider, it just means that he's... Kind of bringing this new weapon into the game. It's a pitch that we know that he's probably thrown it in bullpens and worked on it over the course of his career, and probably slipped it in into games from here and here and there. And maybe he just had a feel for it, and and that would just be like, oh, oh, interesting. He's got a new pitch that he's he's working out. Mm-hmm. But if it's not intentional, if this is actually what he thinks is a cutter, and and his his arm is uh, for some reason unable to throw it like he normally does, and it's creating weirdness. That looks like a totally different pitch that fools Harry and fools everybody. That would be a very very troubling sign for a guy whose elbow we know has something wrong with it. And so intent seemed to be everything here. Um, I think I think Harry I think Harry tagged seven sliders yes in uh, in yesterday's game and Saturday's game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, and I, I still don't think we know the answer. Uh, but um, you know I think that all the signs are pointing to Wainwright being worse than he's letting on. Um, and uh, just knowing that, I think that I would lean toward um, bastard cutter That uh, s- that is a bad sign for Wainwright's elbow a little bit more than I would lean to the idea that he's intentionally throwing it.
0: Mm-hmm. So what does Pakoda say about uh, diminished, Masterson or diminished uh, Wainwright or Masterson? Uh,
1: 51%. Uh, that's, of course, with home field advantage. Uh, home field it would usually be like 53.5%, 54%. So they, they consider the Cardinals the worst team in that game. Of course, without Wainwright and without Molina um, uh, and going up against Madison Bumgarner, that's to be expected. Now, let me ask you the third part of this uh, trifecta of a topic. Let's assume that Molina's not coming back. Mm-hmm. Let, and, and as a subset of that assumption, let's, let's acknowledge that Pakota's projections for this game do not include Molina's pitch framing, which, as we saw tonight, I feel like in the ninth inning, <laughs> yeah. could be significant. <laughs> Although those pitches that Cruz was struggling with were, you know, often they were 100 miles an hour and missing badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know the fact that he's stabbing at pitches that are coming 100 miles an hour nowhere near where they're supposed to be. Maybe everybody would do that, but mm-hmm.
0: um, Molina is also a better blocker, which might have come into play.
1: Not not in that one though. Uh, uh, in the first one, in the first in the what in the first pitch that that Lynn threw after Molina left the game, the wild pitch.
0: Yeah, the wild pitch. Not the first
1: pitch. Who what? Who threw that? Carlos Martinez threw that, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the first pitch Carlos Martinez threw. Anyway. That one I think is, but the one that Rosenthal threw, it was 98 miles an hour and hit 25 feet in front of the plate. It yeah, was, it was Jeff Sullivan's worst pitch of the week. It was ridiculous.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so, he yeah he stumbled or something.
1: Yeah, he stumbled and then he weirdly ran past. What was that? Was the
0: weirdest play?
1: Why did he <laughs> why did he run past the
0: plate? It's <laughs> that? I don't know. It was like he was backing was up someone who shit. wasn't there.
1: Right. It was as though he's like, "Oh, I better go get that ball." <laughs> <laughs> like, like he was chasing it down. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yes, better blocker, um, better pitch framer, and as you wrote, fifty million words on in an article <laughs> earlier this year, perhaps a better pitch caller, mm-hmm. staff, uh, staff leader. So anyway, so uh, Molina's not coming back. Uh, w- let's assume uh, Wainwright's not Wainwright. And might not pitch. Let's assume. And Michael Walker, who's probably the second best pitcher on that staff in true talent level, is you know uh, lost in some ninth dimension with 2013 <laughs> Shelby Miller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're basically taking a team that won 90 games. You're taking away their ace, who is a Cy Young caliber pitcher. You're taking away their number two starter, and you're taking away their their best player or maybe their second best player and an mvp you know a, a perennial mvp candidate what are the cardinals right now what is their what is their talent level are they a sub 500 team at this point
0: well maybe just because it's it's such a big gap it's always been a huge gap between molina and the backup or i guess in this case they're carrying multiple catchers which worked out well for them but neither one is Anywhere close to Molina not that any backup catcher usually is but but they've always had one of the best catchers in the league with Molina and probably one of the, the the worst backup catchers so it's a big big gap from Molina to Pruszynski or to Cruz and right we don't really know who would be replacing Wainwright but whoever it is would not be anything close to an ace so It's a pretty big step down in both cases. I don't know whether that's enough to make a a 90-win team into an 80-win team, but maybe considering the fact that they were like an 83-win Pythag record team and maybe weren't really a true talent 90-win team, then yeah, maybe without Wainwright and without Molina, maybe they are a 500 team or worse. Of course, they've, they've won the World Series as a basically 500 team within recent memory. So Yeah,
1: just to preempt the uh, the accusations that we are somehow predicting something that w- could be proven wrong, uh, <laughs> we acknowledge that a sub-500 team can certainly beat the Giants three out of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not burying the Cardinals. No. Nope. I'm not burying the Cardinals. Um, but uh, it is sort of... Uh, I don't know it's slightly troubling how how bad they look at this point not not bad on the field although uh but bad like they just this is not what they want this is not (laughs) this is not how they drew up their october attack
0: nope and september went so well for them all the all the issues that they seem to have during this year while they were sort of a 500 team for much of the year and and we're fighting with the Brewers and the other NL Central teams for a playoff spot. Everything seemed to get straightened out, and they got Molina back, and they got Waka back, and they were pretty healthy and, and seemed to be all set up for a good run, and this is not helping, no.
1: So, um, runner on third, I think it's Michael Morse. Uh, fly ball to right field, shallow to Randall Gritchuk, one out. And, uh, you know, obviously Morse would like to tag... Uh, if he can, but he can't run, he's slow. He can't run just, like, in general. He can't run, like, if this were, if we were speaking in Spanish, we would use both the uh, the verb for is that reflects permanent <laughs> characteristics right. as well as the verb for is that reflects only the temporary state of the noun.
0: <laughs> right, uh, yes.
1: Uh, <laughs> he, he, Michael Morse s slow yes. and also <laughs> esta. <that" slow>.
0: Right. <laughs> uh
1: uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so the catch is made. Morse ain't going anywhere. Gritchick throws the ball in to the plate, and the audience claps. The audience, the crowd cheers. They ovate. They're happy that the right fielder has thrown a strong ball to home plate uh, and and prevented the runner from scoring. Mm -hmm. And I'm just calling for a (laughs) moratorium on this. This entire play this entire phenomenon of audiences, of crowds cheering when the right fielder throws the ball into the plate. that runner is not ever going. like that's when he doesn't go, he intended to not go. They are not reading the throw. They, like they're never reading the throw.
0: They're sometimes reading the reputation though.
1: Oh yes, certainly the reputation I mean we
0: saw in the, the Royals game too that that happened you wrote about but it Alex Gordon it. preventing a run by but, just having but, a strong arm.
1: Right, and and in that case, you can cheer him anytime you want. You could cheer him when he's jogging out to the field after, after his team bats. You could because it's the same thing. Like he is still the guy with the arm who is preventing some. But if you want to, fine. But like if Grichuk had thrown the ball into second, and Morse hadn't gone, and it was because of the reputation of Grichuk's arm, which is a good arm, he does have a reputation. I I would imagine that uh, I don't know if you would have gone on any right fielder in the world in that place, but you could imagine that Kritchik's arm uh might have prevented Morse from going on certain fly balls. And I'm fine with being happy about that and telling uh calling out to Kritchik, nice job. You've you've been good at baseball and it paid off there. Uh but the throw he made could have been fifty feet up the line. It could have been um, you know, anywhere. He could have thrown it to third. <laughs> Morse wouldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. So uh so I hate that. Let's stop it. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I don't mind it.
1: Oh, I hate it. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Ben. Yeah. This is about a radio ad.
0: Uh, <laughs> okay.
1: I've We've talked about one, one kind of baseball radio ad that I love, the strange industry or union or whatever that doesn't ever advertise anywhere else. We've talked <laughs> about another ad I love, which is the Microsoft advertising uh, in like uh, independent league uh, bulletins. Uh, where seventeen people are seeing them, uh, but there's another ad that I hate, and this is the ad that incorporates baseball into its ad, into its message. And so, in the most in the most basic way, it's hit a home run at Valley Ford, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, you guys like baseball? <laughs> uh, do you like home runs? Uh, well, you can hit one metaphorically <laughs> at our car company. Uh-huh. Uh, more complicated sometimes they weave in storylines and there's a there's an ad that's been playing on giants radio all year for a law firm and the the premise of the ad is that the man is talking to his daughter and his daughter says daddy what does it mean to hit 300 and the lawyer says it means that you get a hit every third time up and then he says and then I, the, he says but at our law firm we win all the time. And, and the daughter says something like, they get paid for that, like idiots, <laughs> it, which, which is already a terrible, like we like baseball players. Do not set yourself in opposition to baseball players. We, <laughs> like the, the product that you are supporting is a product of people hitting 300. So already you, you've lost me. But uh, the point is, you know, he says, we get a hit every time. Uh, And uh, so this ad has killed me all year because, of course, hitting 300 doesn't mean you get a hit every third time up.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: You get a hit three times out of ten. Every third time up would be three times out of nine. And so I listen to this ad, I hear it constantly, I hate it constantly, it's a terrible ad. And I am told that very recently this man, this lawyer, has come out with a second ad saying. Yes, I got it. I understand that hitting 300 is not the same as one out of three times. Math is not my strong point. I got your emails. Like literally, he says, "I got all your emails," or like you can stop emailing me or something. Uh, so this to me is the terrible baseball ad equivalent of getting Jose Altuve in the lineup on 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 the last day of the season, uh, and I commend it so if uh, maybe next year uh, instead of a relievers league fantasy a relievers only fantasy league maybe we can put our collective power to cleaning up some of the baseball radio commercials
0: yeah sure good idea all
1: right, all right. Uh, fourth thing I forgot to mention this when the angels were playing and it's no longer relevant but uh, remember how we talked about how uh, the scout that found Mike trout getting fired and Mm-hmm. what that meant and whether that's fair, uh, I should have mentioned that uh, they fired the guy who invented the rally monkey, too, in oh, 2007. Really? Yeah, in 2007 they did. And um, uh, that's, uh, that. after Mike Trout, that might be the second biggest thing. Huh. that uh, What, was, what that. was that
0: person's position?
1: Uh, he was like a uh, program director, something like that. Huh. Um, Just
0: like an in-stadium entertainment ballpark stadium ops guy or
1: something something like that so he uh and then it got brought up again a few years later because he he was financially destitute he got fired in 2007 couldn't find work and so he sold his uh world series ring or was trying to sell his world series ring uh on some memorabilia site for twenty thousand dollars
0: wow i wonder man he must have done something really bad (laughs) to get fired because if you're a if you're a stadium scoreboard person and you invent the rally monkey that is that is the equivalent of finding Mike Trout except that, that there's not as much downside like once you do that you have you have solidified your position I would think.
1: Right, like we talked about how the scout has filed literally tens of thousands of right. scouting reports so it's easy to find a pattern in, in his behavior, you know, pro or con. Uh, apart from just the one Mike Trout thing, but the stadium guy, he did—he invents the rally monkey, and then he just keeps putting the rally monkey up. So what? Right. Like, <laughs> what do you do that changes your reputation from that point on? It's like, do the rally monkey today? Yes, I did.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There's not
1: much to it.
0: I guess need right. to, you need to—you need to top it every year.
1: All right. Last thing that I have to mention is you alluded to the Alex Gordon play. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this was um, uh, uh, runners on first and second, tie game, seventh inning Base hit to left field Nick Markakis does not score, does not even attempt to score As Alex Gordon charges the ball And uh, it is my estimation that, that that is based entirely on both A combination of Alex Gordon's reputation, mostly his reputation uh and you know maybe how aggressively he was able to charge that ball. Um, and you know, I found a, an example of a, a similar base hit going through the infield with a different left fielder, and basically it's like exactly the same. Arcakis is basically at the same place when the ball le- gets past the infield. The outfielders in basically the same place when the ball leaves the infield. It takes basically the same amount of time for the ball to get to the outfielder, about three point seven five seconds. And in the first one, Marquecas scores without a throw. And in the second one, he doesn't even try it. And uh, so Alex Gordon's arm reputation uh, saved the game, saved the tie. The run never did score. And, of course, the Royals would end up winning it in the ninth in their final at bat. And so I, you know, somewhat somewhat splashily tweeted something like how Alex Gordon saved the game without doing squat or something like that. And it occurred to me this morning when I woke up and StatCast, StatCast had released, you know, a half dozen videos or whatever, a dozen videos with stat, cast, uh, stat casting uh, mm-hmm. superimposed on those videos. It just reminded me how this is the last year that we get to do this. Next year, we just can't, like, it, like it'll be so different. We won't be able to just say, well, Marcus Mar- Mar- is basically at the same place when the ball leaves the infield and the outfielder is basically in the same place. It will all be exact. We will all look crazy. Uh not crazy. We won't look crazy, but like we will have to it's like what we talked about in episode 500 with Jeff and Grant where like something changed 7 years ago where you could you could no longer say this guy can't hit fastballs. You had to show seven graphs
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh with three disclaimers about how he can hit fastballs. Uh it's going to be the same thing. Next year is going to be completely different. We are we are a I don't know if we're a dying breed, but this is ta- this is uh you know the development of talkies. And some of us are going to be revealed to have funny voices. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some of us won't. Some of us will make this transition quite smoothly and be bigger stars than ever. But this is it for some of us, Ben. It's a little bit scary. Yeah,
0: you're uh, right.
1: And it, it, it also occurs to me uh, that the Rob Nyer, jabo alternate, alternate cat uh, broadcast of Game 1 of the LCS... Um, which I it seems went really well. I couldn't see it, but I, I somebody did Tivo it. I'm planning to watch it. Mm-hmm. People seem to like it. Uh, I yeah. I heard almost all almost all good things about it, other than sort of things that are easily fixed, like the split screen thing. Everybody said the split screen sucks, which is an easy thing to fix. It's not right. like the premise is uh, has failed. Uh, you just adjust. It was the first time. So um, anyway, the point is that uh, as uh, as enjoyable as people seem to find that this year, that idea is really made for a post-statcast world. And I could imagine, like, I think that personally, if I had had the option to watch it on cable this year, I probably would have watched it out of curiosity, just to see if it was going well, if Mm -hmm. it was kind of cool or kind of embarrassing, because these things can go either way. Uh, But I would have, you know, chosen to watch the game. But... In a stat-cast world, I don't know that that's true.
0: Hmm. you'd be less likely to watch it, even if there were... I'd be,
1: no, I'd be more likely, it'd be oh, much Oh,
0: okay, more. yeah, right. In
1: a stat-cast world, I, I would feel like the value-added becomes Mammoth.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I watched it and I enjoyed it, and as you mentioned, there was a lot of split-screen in the first few innings, and that was kind of distracting, because you don't... I mean, the commentary was, was good throughout. Uh, given the people involved that was not surprising but it it's surprising how how hard it is to follow a game or to really be into it from pitch to pitch when you've got the game on part of the screen like a third of the screen and you're not hearing the sounds from the ballpark and no one's really narrating the action it's kind of hard to to pay attention so that was a problem for the first few innings when it was almost all split screen and They were kind of laying the groundwork, I guess, for later in the broadcast by introducing all of these concepts and kind of trying to find ways to shoehorn them into the game. But it it ended up being, you know, talking about the nature of defensive stats for a while instead of really talking about the game itself and, and working the game into the discussion. So that changed after a few innings. I don't know whether because they felt that they had gotten the introductory stuff in there or because they were responding to the Twitter feedback or what. But later in the game, it was really good. It was less split screen, less just watching people sit in suits and talk, and more the game on the screen and those people focusing on pitch to pitch and at bat to at bat. And at that point, it was, I think, really good and pretty much exactly what people had hoped it would be. But you're right. I think it will be a lot different Maybe it depends depends how much we get how much information we get and how much we can access because if it's just uh, Like it has been this year where videos get released periodically And we get to see what someone's top speed is or how long it takes them to react to a ball on on a particular play But we don't get full season stats or anything. I don't think that would really change anything unless there were videos like that of every single play where you could just calculate the stuff yourself. But yes, if that stuff is released in some sort of database format or, or it's collected by MLB advanced media and put online somehow, then yes, then we will have to start citing numbers whenever we say anything, which is, uh, is more work maybe, but also a good thing.
1: All right. Well, I'm uh, glad you got to talk a little bit.
0: Yeah, thanks. It was fun. All right. um, and do you think, I mean, at what point do we have to start talking about this as the best postseason we have seen? Has it gotten to that point already? Like in our lifetimes? Oh, my as, gosh.
1: People, people hate this postseason, Ben. What? People are complaining on my timeline. People hate it.
0: Who hates it? That's crazy. Um you don't actually have to name names but okay yeah but but uh, I, mostly I've seen excite excitement.
1: Yeah, it's I mean it, it okay, yeah, it is. I uh, you already wrote about it and mm-hmm. uh so you can give away whatever you have on the topic but I might still write about it.
0: Yeah, I mean it's I I wrote about the percentage of games that had gone to extra innings and that had been decided by one run or had been decided late and that's the sort of thing where as soon as you point it out, usually it will it will stop because I pointed it out because it was so unusual. And usually the unusual thing doesn't continue to happen, but it has even even more so maybe since then. We've gotten one-run games and extra inning games and upsets and the team that wasn't favored to win going into the series winning and and winning in the way that the Royals win, which is exciting. And so it's been fun. I don't know if I... Recall having had this much fun through this point in a postseason
1: uh, I completely agree. It's every game has been
0: ridiculous and um, what well. Yeah, <laughs> good point <laughs> yeah. Um, Okay, all right, so we're finished Please send us some emails at podcast at baseball dot We will try to get to them at some point this week in between Playoff action and please support our sponsor the Play Index at baseballreference.com by going to that website and subscribing to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one year subscription. And we will be back tomorrow.